Hello everyone, welcome to Deep Dives with Jalen, where we just dive deep into all sorts of topics and your requests. So let's just go ahead and get into today's. So today we're talking about a bodybuilding couple who had all the potential in the world. Like it really seemed that they were working their way to the top of the industry and they completely destroyed everything when they took the life of somebody else. So we're going to get into what happened. So Kelly Ryan was born and raised in South Carolina in 1972. Uh, she started as a gymnast, and when she went to the University of South Carolina, she even led the dance squad and her cheer squad, and she was just very talented. She was good at every single thing that she did, and the potential just seemed endless. So while Kelly was training to do um, the Los Angeles Lakers cheer squad, she actually stumbled across like a fitness expose women's bodybuilding competition. And when she saw it, she literally gave up cheering and everything else and said, I want to do that. Like that just seems amazing. And she literally starts training right then. Like she was done. She was ready to be a fitness competitor. Just as quickly as she ended up stage ready, her career progressed at the same rate. It was just like overnight she had this success. She was Miss Fitness America. She was on all sorts of magazine covers. She was getting getting brand deals and just all this exposure. And while she was performing in a show one day, there was a man in the crowd who immediately fell in love with Kelly. It was love at first sight for him and he could not believe his eyes and knew that, you know, I have to know that girl. That man's name was Craig Titus, a fellow bodybuilder. And Kelly was very apprehensive at first. She knew that he had this bad boy reputation, that he had been arrested before for selling ecstasy, as well as other issues, including his steroid use and uh, previous prison time and so she just didn't know like am I gonna hurt my image by being with him like is this really worth it despite Craig's bad boy image and reputation he was having just as successful as a career as she was he had participated in Iron Man and Mr. Olympia and it just seemed to be the beginning of the success that he could have and so she gave in and they started to see each other. Their individual success really stood on its own, but them as a couple was so lucrative for them. They started to do magazine covers together, fitness exposés together, brand deals together, and they just became like this huge power couple. They ended up getting married, they moved to Vegas together, and they had so many great goals for their future. They wasted absolutely no time enjoying all this money that they were making. They purchased a 3,000 square foot home with a gym, a movie theater, a new fancy car, including Kelly's baby, her red Jaguar. And with every brand deal or win, they would have these huge parties full of lots of, you know, sex and drugs and lots of inappropriate things. They then began looking into other business ventures. They wanted to, you know, stretch their money out, make more. And they started considering hiring a personal assistant. And they both just kept working hard and partying harder. And that was just the thought in their mind. And that brings us to Melissa James, a beautiful professional dancer and choreographer from Florida. While she was helping out at a bodybuilding competition, she met a man named Craig Titus. And at some point, the two even had some sort of physical contact of the intimate sort, which Craig had a huge history of. One woman never seemed to be enough for Craig. 
He then sold her this dream of being their assistant and living in Las Vegas and just, you know, improving her life. Like, you know, this is just going to be so awesome for you. It wasn't until a little later that Melissa would actually take up the offer. Melissa had her own dance studio and unfortunately a few bad decisions had her close to losing everything. She had had a few run-ins with the law. She was really stressed out about everything going on. And so that led her to accept Craig's offer because at minimum, she needed the money to help her studio, but at best, maybe it could help her career in the future and in the long run. And so she does it. Melissa started out sleeping on their couch sometimes to eventually having her own room in their home. Uh, because of the intimate time that Melissa had spent with Craig, allegedly, Kelly was not happy about it. What seemed like it would be friends working and living together went bad very quickly. Kelly could not let it go. And the fact that Craig would hit on Melissa just made things even worse. So Kelly started making Melissa's life as hard as she could. And with all that stress, Melissa started opening up to her mom. She said that they weren't paying her, that Craig and Kelly were frequently frequently on like drug-fueled binges. She told her mom she was actually scared on several occasions. Kelly was even accusing Melissa of stealing from them, and it was just a really toxic living situation. So four months into Melissa living with Craig and Kelly, she was ready to go back home. So Craig books Melissa a plane ticket so she could go back home to Florida for Christmas. And Melissa told her mom that she was done. She was never coming back to Vegas and to live with them or to work with them. She was finished. And sadly, she never made it on that plane and she would never go back home. So an argument between Craig, Kelly, and Melissa begins. And Melissa was just over it all and allegedly told them, you know, I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to turn you in. Like I'm done with what you're doing and how you're treating me. And Craig and Kelly had a lot to lose. Their careers were the best they had ever been. And they have all these opportunities. They couldn't have her turning them in and ruining their life. And so everything just got worse from there. Kelly began using a taser on Melissa five different times while Craig was in another room on a phone call. And after being tased all of these times, Craig comes into the room and now this woman who has been tased several times has to fight off a 240 pound bodybuilder. They then put a bathrobe tie and a speaker wire around her neck and wrap her entire face in duct tape from the chin up into above her eyebrows in duct tape. She was also injected with a lethal amount of morphine in her leg. So Craig starts calling his friends freaking out, claiming that he had found Melissa dead already. One of those friends was Anthony Gross. Anthony came over and Craig convinced this man to help him. Apparently, Anthony was just so starstruck by the couple that it was very easy, easy to convince him. He would also give another friend that they had, a couple friend, a duffel bag with a taser and duct tape, but we'll get into what happened with them later. So at 3.40 a.m., Anthony goes to a gas station and he purchases a flashlight. And just a few miles away, Kelly goes to a Walmart where she buys seven bottles of lighter fluid. Craig pulls up that Jaguar, Kelly's prized possession, and they put the fluid in the backseat of the car. They put it in the backseat because Melissa is already in the trunk. Craig then ja drives the Jaguar to the middle of nowhere. 
they torch the vehicle and then they all get in Anthony's car so they're able to drive away and leave the Jaguar in the middle of nowhere. So somebody calls it in that this car, you know, is torched in this desert. And so the police go and they find that there is a body inside of the car. So they assume that it's Kelly because the car traces back to her. So they go to Kelly's house to deliver this news that Kelly's car is destroyed. There's a body inside. It's most likely Kelly. And to their shock, Kelly opens the door and she's alive. And if that wasn't shocking enough, Kelly was angry. She was visibly angry talking about how her assistant had been stealing from them and that she disappeared and that they had had this huge fight. The couple, Craig and Kelly, then decide to bring the police in and show them Melissa's messy room and the alleged debit card that she had used to steal from them. Police walked away from the home knowing that Craig and Kelly either know something or did something, but they didn't have the evidence at that point to do anything but to just question them at their home and leave. So the police, you know, start to see what they can find, and all the while, Melissa's mom went to the airport to pick up her child who never arrived. Her mom at first was scared that something actually happened to Melissa, Craig, and Kelly. And then now she's told that there's this body, but Craig and Kelly are okay. Craig even had the audacity to call Melissa's mom and say, oh, I don't think that was Melissa in the trunk. Like, we'll find Melissa. Police start searching the scene where Kelly's car was torched and they find a flashlight. They tie it back to Anthony Gross, who had purchased the same make and model flashlight the same night the crime took place, who was also friends with Craig Titus. The police were also contacted by the lawyer for the couple Craig had given the duffel bag to, the one with the taser and the duct tape inside, which just added more evidence and it was enough to get a search warrant and to continue trying to prove that Craig and Kelly had something to do with this. So the police take their search warrant and they go back to Craig and Kelly's house because they're going to take them in. And lo and behold, guess who was not home? Craig and Kelly. Craig even went so far as to trade in his vehicle to make it that much easier for them to flee and give themselves time where the police are not searching for the car that they had. So the FBI is called in to try to figure out where the hell did Craig and Kelly go and the police continue building their case. They discovered that Kelly had used her debit card to purchase seven bottles of lighter fluid that same night, that they watched her bring the lighter fluid to the Jaguar with Craig, and after that, I mean, like, what more proof do you need? Like, clearly, this was them. So, the FBI is waiting, trying to figure out where they are, and they finally get a tip. They received a call from a town outside of Boston, and they apprehended Kelly in a beauty salon while she was getting her nails done. They just took this girl's life and she is sitting there in Boston getting her nails done. They also found Craig really close by and they took them both in. And of course, Craig just couldn't take the L and, you know, do his time, go to jail, wait for his trial. He starts doing really weird things like apparently he tried to escape. So the police had to transfer him to a different pod in the jail for his safety and their own. And he also apparently tried to like create a hit on the witnesses, allegedly. So Craig was never charged for any of this, but somebody else was, so it was just another person caught in Craig's crossfire. But while he was in jail, he met a man named Ron Brady. 
Craig allegedly told Ron that he was innocent, that he just needed proof and more time, and that he needed someone to talk to the witnesses and, you know, see what they know and what's going on. And Ron really liked Craig. He wanted to be a bodybuilder. He idolized him. So he's like, of course, I'll help you. So allegedly, Ron claims he never knew that any type of hit was ever going to happen or was thought to happen, that he just thought they were going to talk to the witnesses. However, Ron did talk to a man named Deem Kassam and asked him if he could use his mob ties to remove the witnesses. What Ron didn't know is that Deem Kassam was a police informant. So everything that Ron was saying to Deem, Deem was saying to the police. So when Ron was released and Deem kept calling him like, hey, is the hit still on? And Ron's like, yeah, it's still on. I mean, that looks pretty sketchy and pretty guilty to me. So Ron ends up back in the jail because of the alleged hit. And the police even took it a step further by getting one of the witnesses, Anthony Gross, to pose as if he had been killed, showed Ron the pictures, and Ron still said like, yeah, I, I didn't know anyone was going to get hurt. Craig just wanted me to talk to the witnesses. I don't know what this Deem Kassam is talking about. But either way, Ron got eight years for trying to solicit the hit of the three people, Anthony Gross and the couple who had the duffel bag. And all the while, Craig claims, you know, I had no part in this, but it's real weird that anyone would randomly go after the three people part of his trial for any other reason. Like, does that even make any sense? Because it doesn't to me. But either way, Craig did not get in trouble for that. So Craig and Kelly both come up with this story that they had found Melissa dead with a needle in her leg, that they could not risk a dead body being associated with them because of their celebrity status. Like, that's going to ruin our careers. So instead of, you know, calling the police and doing the right thing, they decide to get rid of her body instead. What Craig and Kelly didn't know is that Anthony Gross and the couple they had given the duffel bag to had a completely different story and were totally willing to speak out against Craig. So allegedly, according to this couple, Craig had called his friends over to create an alibi and that way he could give them the duffel bag and he wouldn't have to worry about that piece of evidence. He had no idea that creating this alibi would come back and bite him in the ass. So the couple, their names are Megan and Jeremy, told the police that they were invited to Craig's home the night that this all happened. Megan said that Kelly and Craig began talking to them about the issues that they were having with Melissa, and they accused Melissa of stealing and using drugs and just all of this stuff. Craig also insisted that the problem had been solved and that they shipped her back to Florida and they wouldn't have to worry about her anymore. But quickly after... Kelly told a much different story to Megan. As soon as Craig walked away and could not hear Kelly, she said so much more. Kelly told Megan that their argument with Melissa spiraled out of control, that she had to reach for their taser. Kelly said that when she tried to use it on Melissa, it wasn't strong enough, so she went to turn it up, and then Melissa took the taser from Kelly. And then that's when Craig came back into the room. And when Craig came back into the room and saw Melissa trying to tase his wife, he slammed her to the ground. Then Kelly told Megan that Craig pinned Melissa down and injected her with the drugs. Craig eventually goes back into the room where Kelly and Megan are talking and he started acting really odd and saying really creepy things. He told Megan that if she ever wanted to know how to kill someone by choking them, he could show her. And then he tried to put Megan in a chokehold. And at that point, the couple wanted out of there. They were ready to go home. They were freaked out. 
And then Craig randomly hands in the duffel bag and says, Hey, take this. I'll get it later. It's just fitness equipment and a taser gun. Like just get it out. Thank you. Once the couple saw the news and what happened, they immediately called their lawyer who contacted the police and it was just more evidence for the police to use, which is how everything happened. But Craig and Kelly did not know that all this was being spilled to the police. Finally, two years after Melissa's murder, both Craig and Kelly were ready to stand their trial. But the day before the trial, both of them make plea deals. Craig took a deal that he would plead guilty for second degree murder and Kelly took an Alford plea for battery with a deadly weapon. Uh, her accepting the Alfoid plea means that she wasn't saying that she was guilty, but that she's aware of the evidence and that it's not worth going forward with the trial. Um, both of them also pleaded guilty to burning of Melissa's body as well. Craig did make a BS apology while in court saying, you know, these weren't his intentions and that he's sorry and he's sickened by his actions, but come on, dude. Kelly ended up being sentenced to two consecutive terms of three to 13 years, but she's already been released on parole. She got out in October of 2017. Craig was sentenced to 21 to 55 years, and he is eligible for parole on December 23rd, 2026. And to this day, Craig's mother thinks that everything was on Kelly, that she is the real perpetrator, and that Craig just took the fall to protect her. Just another case of people who could have had it all, could have had so much success and happiness in their life, and done so much for other people, but instead they destroy it all and for what so rest in peace to melissa and i'm sorry for her family and i hope you enjoyed my first podcast so let me know what you want to hear next and i'm sorry that my nose is stuffy i'm sick <laughs> all right bye guys